Welcome to an AM Healthcare Industry Group Human Capital and Workforce Management podcast series. Nurses were an integral part of the fight against the pandemic. Travel nursing became essential in some organizations. As the pandemic pressures ease, we sat down with healthcare leaders to hear their perspectives on the future of travel nurses. We are joined again today by our favorite economist, Professor Joshua Gottlieb. He served as a panelist on our recent Compensation and Wage Inflation podcast, so we just had to have him back. This time, he'll be chatting with us about his travel nursing research, so I'm so excited to hear his perspective. Hello, and welcome to Alvarez and Marcel Healthcare Industry Group Human Capital and Workforce Management podcast. In this podcast series, we will discuss the most pressing workforce issues facing healthcare leaders. Today, we are joined by Professor Gottlieb, an economist and associate professor at the University of Chicago, Harris School of Public Policy. Professor Gottlieb, we're so excited to have you here to chat about the unprecedented labor costs and that hospitals and health systems are facing right now, as well as the uh, short-term labor market that I believe you've done some research on. Admittedly, I have been really looking forward to this conversation. Um, I'm a little bit of an econ nerd, not that I know any economic principles, but I always learn something so interesting every time I talk to an economist. So welcome, Professor Gottlieb, to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. My pleasure. Well, let's, let's jump right in. I'm, I just want to talk to you a little bit about some of your interests. During the pandemic, I know that you studied the travel nursing market. In fact, I just finished reading your paper uh, yesterday. Do you mind sharing with us a little bit about what you learned about that really interesting period of time? Happy to talk about that. As you mentioned in your introduction, economic principles are really powerful. And that's what we found in studying the travel nursing market. So this paper looked at what happened in areas where COVID cases increased, what happened to the demand for travel nursing, what happened to the number of nurses who were recruited to work in those places of different specialties, and where they came from. What we found is that economic principles seem to operate very powerfully in this market. So when COVID cases increase in a particular state, the market is able to bring more nurses uh, from elsewhere in the country uh, or from locally to, to the jobs where they're needed. This is especially true in the specialties that are most relevant for uh, care for COVID-19. So things like ICU and med surge floors, and there's a very clear contrast between those and other specialties like labor and delivery, which mm. does not respond to COVID conditions. Right, um, right, because we didn't have more pregnancies during COVID necessarily. Exactly. Well, uh, that, that's that's right, and that's it's certainly right that when COVID cases happen to increase in a particular area, uh, that's not likely to be related to the number of people going into labor at that time. Right, right. Uh, and so, you know, you don't see the, the travel nursing demand increase, but you do in other uh, in the COVID-related specialties of nursing. And so the way the market does this is by raising compensation. And so we're able to trace out the supply curve. We're able to say when demand increases, when COVID cases 
the surge. Then demand increases in that area, in that region at that time. And we are able to see how many more people take jobs and how much higher their compensation is. So we're able to understand the supply curve. And this is, as you alluded to at the beginning, standard economic principles operating very powerfully. And an important part of how they do this is by having, uh, by recruiting, by, by enticing people to travel from elsewhere to, uh, to the areas where they're needed. And so we're able to look at how far people travel and sort of get a sense of how the higher compensation is drawing nurses in from other places. So really, now correct me if I'm wrong, money talks. Yeah, money talks. Money That's talks. what upward sloping supply means. Yeah, money talks. And maybe an, a nurse would be more willing to travel further, further distance away from their family for more money. Is that right? That's exactly right. Now, I want to be clear, when you say money talks, that's not the only thing that talks. People may have oh, lots of motivations okay. for taking these jobs. They might have a, a sense of, feel a sense of duty or obligation, a desire to help the community to go where they can do the most good. They might enjoy the adventure of travel nursing, of going to different places, um, of being able to choose their employer for short periods and then move on somewhere else. But one component, along with all those other things, is money. You know, you mm -hmm. need to earn a living. You need to uh, to feed your family. And it's everything else equal. It's going to be more attractive to go somewhere. And as you started alluding to, more attractive uh, to, to incur the costs of going farther away, more travel logistics, farther away from your family, et cetera. That's all going to be more more attractive to the to the potential traveling nurse when the money increases. So right, right. that's why the money increases and that that draws people in. And you're so getting paid for the sacrifice for sure. You're getting paid for the sacrifice. That's what an economist uh, would call a compensating differential. Compensating differential. See, I'm already learning something. It's fantastic. I can tell your professor. Okay, the, so the then, idea of compensating differentials is that if one job is more attractive than another, then you don't need to pay people as much to take that job. On the flip mm -hmm. side, if the job is less attractive, then then you need to pay more. And so if if the job is farther away from your family, if it's during a period when the risk of contracting COVID yourself is high, uh, all those other factors, you need to earn a compensating differential. Okay, so really helpful information that then takes us to present day, right? So we saw that COVID peak short-term labor market that was met with incredibly high wages. We heard about uh, folks leaving their normal jobs that they've been with for 20 years, their organizations, leaving their families to go uh, travel for a few months to pay off mortgages or to pay for college for their children. Now, it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Um, and, you know, certainly not experts here, but we, we did have a recent conversation with an executive of a travel nursing agency. He made it sound like the, the market is stabilizing with compensation. What are your thoughts on the future of this very unusual labor market? Very strange period of time. What does it look like in the future? COVID certainly was a very strange period of time for pretty much every market, including 
every labor market, obviously, especially so in this context. It was an historic spike in demand. Uh, you know, there are always there, the travel nursing industry didn't start during COVID. Right. There, there have been all there have always been periods of time when temporary workers are needed. Um, and it's not just in nursing, right? There are temporary workers in lots of industries, probably mm -hmm. nearly every industry mm -hmm. um, uses temporary labor in some form or other. The boundary of, of the concept of temporary labor is actually not necessarily trivial to define. Um, but the travel nursing market was established and had firms in it and had its industry practices prior to COVID because there were always variations. There were seasonal variations. There were idiosyncratic needs in one hospital at one time or, or otherwise. Lots of reasons you might need a temporary nurse. So maybe it's just not going away, right, in the future, because those situations will happen in the future. And we're seeing more and more retirements occur. Folks are tired. So I suspect that we'll still have a very robust traveler industry. Would you agree? I'm not going to prognosticate about the future, but I, I don't see any reason to think we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. uh, we had it before. It did uniquely, it was uniquely huge during COVID for perfectly logical reasons. And yeah, the needs will be different in in the future. I. I mean, I hope, I hope we don't have another pandemic like this. No kidding. Yes. You know, the much higher compensation that we saw, this sort of compensation that could entice people to leave jobs from 20 years uh, to do some travel nurse work, it, those kinds of wages come about when you have these historic national massive spikes in demand. And in the absence of that happening again, I would expect to see more normal market behavior. Right. Yeah, I wonder what the what how long it's going to take for us to stabilize. And I'm going to almost use stabilize in quotation marks because you know what does that look like now? We may be faced with high wages at least for the near term because of inflationary pressure. Right. It's so expensive to do anything and and have anything. Um, and we see that wages are being outpaced by inflation right now, the cost of goods. One of the things that I'm really interested in is, you know, what are some of the measures that will be put in place to push down wages or help us normalize compensation? And you hear about all of these potential legislation that are popping up in, in at the federal level, but more predominantly at the state level to cap travel nursing, travel wages, the travel nurse industry. Do you think that this legislation is going to come to fruition? What's your gut? There are versions of this already in place in some states. So, you know, you don't need to speculate about the future. You can look at uh, states like Massachusetts and I believe Minnesota is another one um, that have some version of this. We do some analysis in the paper of those states uh, those states caps and uh, you can use the estimates in our paper to think about what the impact of that would be on supply. You know, if you think supply slopes up, then higher, and, and that is in fact what we estimate, that means that higher compensation gets people to come take the jobs. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. put a cap on the compensation, then how are you going to attract people to come take those jobs? Yeah. 
That's so right? interesting. They're, they're incurring yeah. real costs. Right, they're traveling, they're incurring risks for themselves, they're taking time away from their family, so you have to entice them. That's, yeah. that's what sloping labor supply is all about. So we're not going to jump to conclusions, and you know, of course, my crystal ball is broken, but potential downstream impact of these types of caps is states could be shooting, shooting themselves in the foot um, by regulating because they may limit the supply of staff that they have available. Right. It's a very interesting downstream implication of this type of thing. So it might be a knee-jerk reaction. Let's let's the hope is that we'll get a little bit more clarity on which how states are going to fall related to limiting compensation in some way, specifically for travel nursing. So let's talk about compensation. We've heard about wage inflation and uh, my colleagues that run hospitals, they are uh, noting that there are serious downstream implications to hospital operating costs because of their increased labor costs. And it's not just travel nurses, right? They've made wage accommodations, they've given bonuses and pay bumps and retention bonuses and sign-on bonuses. And ultimately that's really stacking up. They're seeing labor costs that's unprecedented. You know, what do you think is gonna happen with hospital employee wages? What's gonna happen in the healthcare labor market related to wages? You're describing is not really different from the rest of the economy, mm, right? Okay sector among it's a huge sector it's an important and fascinating sector it's one sector among many among all the rest of the economy and healthcare is certainly not the only one where there are inflationary pressures healthcare is a bit unique in its pricing so healthcare for hospitals and other firms sell their services uh, to largely to government buyers Right. Mm -hmm. So we have Medicare payment rules and the private insurers often build on the Medicare payment rules that all is supposed to incorporate inflation. So there's kind of for hospitals, unlike for other industries, there's maybe a slower but almost mechanical or a regulatory mechanism for those costs to be fed back into their revenues. So it will be interesting to see how that happens how the private insurers uh, do or don't pass through this, uh, these increases the same way Medicare does. But the, the payment formulas are likely to reflect this. Mm -hmm. um, absolute lag. So the hospital squeeze may be temporary. There's potential that it could just be temporary. Exactly. Meaning that compensation may stabilize and then they might get some support on the payer side. Okay. Well, I don't know what happen to compensation, right? I don't know what's going to happen to inflation, but I know that the payment rules pay attention to inflation. Yeah. So you're, you're right to think that the current period is perhaps especially challenging because you're seeing the cost go up before, and unlike in other industries, hospitals can't immediately raise their, uh, raise their prices. These these payment rules and negotiations happen with some lag. So uh, mm -hmm. mismatch is, indeed might be temporary. Yeah. Okay, so last question. Let's talk a little bit about supply and demand, uh, another economic principle that we certainly see in the labor market. 
uh, let specifically what about the supply of healthcare resources? We keep on hearing um, about a nursing shortage that is cyclical, and we are in a period now of what we hear is a deep shortage of clinical resources, potentially other providers and licensed staff. What what impact does a labor shortage have? Well, when you have trouble hiring, you're of course going to raise compensation. And going back to the supply curve that we started out with, higher compensation will attract people into the industry in other ways, right? So we talked about supply attracting people to a, to work as travelers in a particular state. It also sends a signal to people that nursing is an attractive profession and then more people will train as nurses or other providers, uh, other other clinical practitioners. And those those margins respond as well. People make choices about their careers, about their specialty, about their training based on the information they have available about what the compensation is going to be like, of course, along with many other factors. So as this information passes through into wages, if we don't artificially restrain the training, the supply should eventually, again with some lag, catch up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is fascinating. When we do things like make it very hard for people to come from overseas or make it hard for new medical schools to start or medical schools to expand, then we restrict that supply response. If we don't interfere with it, there will be a natural supply response. Yeah. Well, we certainly see that with nursing schools, right? What we're hearing from chief nurses is that they would like to hire new graduates, um, but the supply of new graduates is still fairly low. And then the nursing schools are telling them they just don't have enough spots. And when we press, it's usually they don't have enough instructors. They don't have enough people to teach. So it's kind of like a cycle, right? So if if folks are leaving the industry and those are great folks to be able to teach, and then we don't have the spaces in the nursing education system, then we're never going to be able to replenish and and serve our, our community's needs. So, so this is just a, a complicated multifactorial issue, and it seems like it all has spiked in one time, right? You, you use the term spike often, and, and that really is a great um, action verb to, to describe what's going on. So fascinating. Well, before we go, do you have any other final thoughts on what you think is going on right now? I think this issue of the lag in training and the difficulty of expanding nursing schools is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are, are probably some frictions in that market that uh, what an economist would call frictions that uh, that we need to think about how to resolve. So if it is a really good job, it's a well-paid job, we need nurses, then we should be able to find people to teach them and we should be able to find slots in nursing schools. And maybe that means that the costs have to go up in order to pay those uh, pay those instructors, get people out of retirement or whatever it might be. Uh, but there should be there's enough demand that that someone should be able to to meet that demand. Mm. Uh, I should respond. And I, I think it's important that we not put barriers in the way of that. Yeah, it's so fascinating. So after this discussion and I may have missed the punchline, but I'm still thinking it's all about the money. It just feels that way. Well, 
the the forces of supply and demand are incredibly powerful tools for analyzing any market. Mm-hmm. Right. The demand for nurses is also changing with time. Obviously, the pandemic was a unique spike, um, but there's an aging population and all the usual factors that you're aware of uh, that cause this to change over time. Um, I think new technologies increase the need for nurses and mid-levels and other and technicians and all sorts of people to operate those those machines and those technologies. There's new techniques being invented all the time that require physicians and the supply will want to meet that. As you say, the money is what what helps bring markets into equilibrium. Yeah. And so if we don't prevent people from getting the training that they want, we don't prevent people from getting the licenses that they are qualified for, then we can meet these needs. Wonderful. Well, Professor Gottlieb, this has been great. I've learned so much. Never a dull moment with an economist, always learning something new. I very much appreciate your expertise and you sharing your perspective today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.